Welcome to another inspirational message from Hillsong Church, London. Thanks, Tim. Hey, everyone. How are we doing? Should we say thank you to the band? Otherwise, I can foresee an awkward situation where I forget to send them off the stage and they will stand there faithfully for 35 minutes. But that's okay, they can go and sit. I feel like we should pray as well. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. Lord, to be in your house this morning, Lord, we don't take it for granted. There's so many places even on this planet right now where what we are doing is illegal and impossible. And yet we get to be here. And there is such encouragement and such strength in joining with other believers and reminding ourselves of who you are. And so in this moment, we are gonna come around the word of God and we're gonna listen for your voice. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every person in this place. God, you have a word for everyone from the front row all the way up to the back row. You're here to speak to us and we're here to listen. This is not a show, this is not something that we put on for the sake of it, this is something that we come to because we believe that we will be transformed by your spirit. And so we're gonna rest in that truth this morning and we're gonna believe that you're gonna do miracles in this place, Lord, for the weary, for the brokenhearted, for those that are physically sick. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We give you glory, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen, amen. Well, thanks for making it out this morning. I'm not gonna lie, when my alarm went off and it was cold and it was blustering, I considered like, do they really need me to preach today? Like there's plenty of good people that could be preaching this morning and me and my juve and my bed, like we could have had a day today, but we haven't, so I'm glad I'm here, but I'm also thankful that you're here too, because I feel like that struggle was probably real for a lot of you. Today, believe it or not, is the first Sunday in Advent. And I know, <laughs> got a cheer, someone's keen for Advent. That's good, it's what I'm gonna be talking about, so praise the Lord, one supporter. Advent has begun today, and I know it's November, so it is that time of year where I think humanity sort of vaguely splits into one, or two, one of two camps at this point in November. There are those that have started feeling Christmassy and those that have not started feeling Christmassy. So I thought just a little show of hands, um, who has started feeling Christmassy end of November? Okay, okay. Who has not started feeling Christmassy? Scrooges, okay. <laughs> Fine. I know it's November, I get it. Second question, just seeing where everyone's at this morning. Has anyone put up their Christmas tree yet, hands? Okay, a lesser number, but some. So I'm guessing those that didn't put their, up their hands, I'm not gonna make you do that, I can do the math. You haven't put up your Christmas tree. We put up, up our Christmas tree yesterday. And here's our logic, okay? Last year, Christmas essentially got canceled, am I right? Um, we're hoping, obviously, that it doesn't get canceled this year. But therefore, that is our sort of justification for, we're gonna put up our Christmas tree at the end of November. Normally, we'd go a couple of weeks later. But we're gonna do it now because we want this Christmas to be twice as good as last Christmas. That's our justification. I'm sure everyone else that put up their hand, you've got your justification. But nonetheless, I'm gonna get sidetracked on Christmas versus non-Christmas. Today being the first Sunday of Advent, so it's what I want to speak about. Advent is the season in the traditional Christmas Christian calendar 
where we anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ. And I think so often in the busyness of our world and our culture, seasons like Advent can sometimes get a little bit lost. I'm actually a big fan of the traditional Christian calendar. There's nothing sort of in the Bible that says you have to celebrate certain things at certain times. But over centuries, the Christian church across the world sort of sets aside different times in the year to ponder on different parts of the gospel message of Jesus. And Advent is one of those times. Obviously, we then have Christmas. Then we have Epiphany, which is sort of celebrating the manifestation, the sort of realization that Jesus was God come in human form. Then shortly afterwards, a couple of months later, we go into Lent, which is sort of this reflection. It was, we remember Jesus's time in the wilderness. And we think about, there's a lot of things, sort of Lent is, I guess, I don't want to call it like a darker time in the Christian calendar, but it's a time where we ponder on the fact that the world is broken in many ways. And it leads up, of course, to Jesus's death on the cross. That's the period of Lent. But that's swiftly followed by Easter. And we know in Easter, the resurrection is celebrated. And then shortly afterwards in the Christian calendar, you've got Pentecost, and that's where you celebrate the Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. And I think just weaved in there are these beautiful rhythms that we can follow as Christians if we choose to do so. Because we live in a world that sort of, it wants to manage our schedule for us. And it does that by things like, when is the next season of Selling Sunset coming out? So you put aside time in your calendar. There's a few fans. I don't know, whatever your favorite series are, we get our schedule managed by many external forces. It might be work, it might be the Netflix series, whatever it is. But we live in this busy world that constantly tells us to keep, keep going, harder, faster, stronger, quicker. We don't live in a society that values rest and reflection. We strive for success and recognition and popularity. And as I think probably all of us have experienced, as we know and we understand, that gets pretty tiring after a while. It gets pretty exhausting. But one thing, crucially, that it often does is it distracts, distracts us from our spiritual walk with Jesus, all of these things. But times like Advent, it's times like Advent when I think we can almost get our heads back in that space. The Christian calendar helping us on this journey of we want to become more like Jesus, right, as individuals and as a church, as a group of people. If we take time during weeks like Advent, I think it can really be a time of growth. And that's really all I want to speak about today. My message is actually pretty simple. I just want to get into what Advent is. And hopefully I want to send you away today, this morning, committed to using these next four weeks or so before Christmas, wherever you feel like your spiritual walk is now with Jesus. You might feel like you're in a good place. You might just feel a bit tired. You might feel like actually you've drifted a long way from faith. Perhaps this is your first time back in church for a while. I don't know where you are. But I want, hopefully, people to walk away, you to walk away today and say, you know what, these next four weeks are actually a beautiful opportunity to take one step closer to Jesus, wherever you are. And if we as a whole community can commit to taking one step closer to Jesus over the next four weeks, you start to see how the church, God's people, his image on this earth 
can start to move forward and be the people that I think our society and our culture desperately, desperately needs us to be. So I've mentioned it, but what is Advent? It's a period of anticipation and longing as we pondered Christ's incarnation. That's when he came in the flesh. From heaven to earth, God came as a man. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's a season of preparing our hearts and our minds for all of the joy that Christmas brings. That's what the season of Advent is set out to do. It comes from a Latin word. The Latin word is adventus, which literally means coming. Jesus is coming. That's what we're thinking about over these next few weeks. And we're going to hear a lot of messages like every time you walk into any sort of church setting over the next four weeks or a carol service or whatever it is, we're going to hear about this story. But I want to prepare us for that, for these next four weeks. I don't want them to pass us by. I don't want them to drift in the hectic nature of the Christmas season when all of the chores start mounting up and now you've got your work Christmas dinner and your other work, your department Christmas dinner. You've got your friends who say, come over, we're going to have Christmas drinks like the calendar gets full. Am I right? Even coming out of the pandemic. And I just want to challenge that. I want to be a bit countercultural to that. Like, yes, we go to all of these social events, but do we take time to ponder on, sounds cheesy, but the reason for the season? I read in a recent Advent devotional that I just started as I was pondering this message, and it just asked the question, will you be closer to Christ come the 25th of December or further away this year? One to think about, and over these next four weeks, I think we can choose and determine the direction of that. So the title of my message, if you do take notes, if you want to take notes, is Back to the Future. And I notice immediately I get a laugh from probably the people in the room over about 35. <laughs> and the people under that age are thinking, never heard of that. It's a film, it's an old film, and it's an old film even for me, and I'm in my 30s, so I know there will be some people in here and you haven't watched the film, and that's okay. So I sort of tried to come up with a second title for you. So Back to the Future is the millennial title for this message, I suppose. Um, if you're Gen Z or younger millennial or you don't know what Back to the Future is, you could try Advent into the multiverse. <laughs> Gen Z. Um, the multiverse is not theologically accurate, so... I sort of hesitated about saying into the multiverse because you're like, oh yeah, God's kingdom is like the multiverse. It's not. I just wanted to come up with a title that was, I don't know, memorable, something for you to write down. So yeah, back to the future, more theologically accurate. Multiverse, less theologically accurate, more memorable, up to you. But basically what I'm going to do is take us on a journey through time over these next sort of 25 minutes or so. And I want to look at Advent from three different dimensions. I want to look at it from the sort of perspective of the past, the perspective of the present, and the perspective of the future, because Advent actually incorporates all three of those, as does the entirety of our Christian walk. We need to know where we've come from, our spiritual heritage. We need to know what's happening now and engage in the present. But crucially, as Christians, we also need to know what's coming. And so Advent is a great time in the Christian calendar where we can think about those three dimensions. We can place ourselves again in a story that is so much bigger than ourselves. In a society that wants us to look inward again and again and again, to think about ourselves, self-indulgence, self-focus, self-growth. In Advent, and indeed through a lot of the Christian walk, 
we are constantly encouraged time and time again to start look outwards, look outwards, look outwards, love one another, serve one another. We go to God first, then others. And I think this can be that time, this can be that season. So I wanna read a scripture. We're gonna look at Jesus from this sort of 360 degree temporal perspective today. And this is one of the messianic prophecies written by the prophet Isaiah. So this is, there's a lot of sort of scholarly debate over exactly when Isaiah was written, when it was actually written down in book form, whether it spans a wide time period, but we're talking something probably between the eighth or the sixth century BC. So like we're talking a long time, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus had ever stepped foot on our planet. And I want you to hear in this prophecy that there are a number of different like temporal layers. Like it's not just one time period being spoken about as Isaiah was writing these things. He's obviously writing to an audience at the time, people that would have listened to it in the day. He's referencing as he writes the context of those people, the Israelite people, the trials, the struggles, the tribulations that they'd come through. But he's also referencing a future time as he writes. And we're here in 2021 reading this ancient piece of scripture from the 6th to the 8th century BC. And you'll notice that as I read it, some of those things have sort of come to pass now, but there are still some to come. So scripture, any piece of scripture, but especially some of these old prophecies from before Jesus, they are bringing us into this eternal story. And it's this eternal story that was relevant then, but is also relevant now. And it's times like Advent when we actually start to recenter ourselves and reposition ourselves and remember that this is not all about us. That's the big perspective I'm trying to build this morning. It's a bit more of a teach today. I feel like a few weeks ago I came and preached. This is just a bit more of a teach. And like I say, the whole outcome is just that you go away today thinking about Advent and maybe committing to doing one thing. As I cover the three time dimensions, past, present, and future, I think there's application from each of those that we can take away over these next few weeks between now and Christmas. So here's the text. It's Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 9. I could have picked any one of the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament to make this same point. I just love this piece of scripture. Isaiah's writing, and he says, There shall come forth a shout, a shoot even, but also a shout, maybe, from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This is a prediction that Jesus, the Messiah, will come from the line of David. David was the son of Jesse, who was just mentioned. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatted goat calf together and the little child shall lead them. The, calf, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I think number one, that's just a stunning piece of text. But number two, did you hear the layers in there, right? It's talking definitely about some things that haven't happened yet. And this is thousands of years old. Like we haven't seen lions lying down with lambs. We haven't seen this world yet of safety and justice and security and the whole world being filled with the knowledge of the Lord. We're not quite there yet. And so we're seeing that in this, there are these layers of prophetic strength that I think we can learn from in this time and remind ourselves that the story of Jesus spans the entirety of creation. And you and I right here, right now, are part of that story. It's still going on. It's not finished and there's more to come. And that's part of the hope that we have as followers of Jesus. You see, living as a Christian is sort of this back to the future type life. We look backwards so that we understand our present and we know what hope we have for the future. And the moment we stop doing that as Christians, we can lose perspective very quickly. And I think we live in a culture that wants us to lose that perspective. It wants us to focus on very much the here and now, everything happening instantly, quickly. Life comes at you fast. And as Christians, I think one of our biggest challenges right now is, are we able to regularly take a step back, to learn the art of rest, to learn the art of reflection and meditation, to just slow down and say, God, what is this story that I'm a part of? And even more than that, what is my role to play? So as we ponder the significance of Advent, my three ideas, simple ideas, is simply that Advent connects us to our spiritual past. Jesus has come. Advent speaks into our living present. Jesus is with us right here and right now. But even more so, and perhaps the one that's often neglected, Advent reminds us of a future hope that Jesus will come again. This isn't just a principle for Advent. This is actually a deep theological principle. It's one that we can found our entire Christian walk upon. If we want to be followers of Jesus, we need to engage with this Savior, Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. I was reading earlier this week the Apostles' Creed. I don't know if you've ever read the Apostles' Creed. It was written in about the 2nd century A.D., And basically, it was one of the first times. There was a lot going on in that time. It's obviously not many generations after Jesus walked on this planet where a group of people got together and they tried to work out what are the beliefs that unify us as Christians. And they end up writing this beautiful creed. And it's quite long, so I'm not going to read all of it. But let me just read the bit about Jesus. And again, you'll see these past, present, and future implications of our faith. This is from the Apostles' Creed. I think it will go up on the screen behind me as well. But it says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again and ascended into heaven. Now he is Change in tense. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will 
come to judge the living and the dead. Christianity, our faith, is past, present, and future. And so just as when we read Isaiah and we saw that there were these past, present, and future dimensions, so we need to realize that big picture, that is the case with our God too. And I find that reassuring. Sometimes when life is tough, when you feel overwhelmed, when you can't see a way out, this taking a step back and reminding yourself of the enormity of our God, the magnitude of who he is, his sovereignty over history. He's done it before. He can do it again. There is so much richness and depth in scripture because it reminds us of the heritage that we have. Everyone in here, regardless of your background, regardless of what you think you've done, Jesus wants to invite you into his story, one that has been going on for thousands of years and one that there is an amazing and eternal future hope lying ahead of us. You are welcome into that story. Everything is linked. Jesus is in all of it. And he is the center of it all. He is the center of history. He is the center of our lives. And over these next four weeks, we've got an opportunity to ponder on that. So like I said, I want to go through those three, past, present, and future, and just draw out some application for us. With those prophetic words from Isaiah ringing in our ears, he was talking about the eventual kingdom of heaven, the one which Jesus came and started when he was on this earth, which is both now and not yet. It lives within us through the power of our Holy Spirit, but there is still more to come, which is a pretty big thing for us to, we need to hope for that, right? I don't know about you, but I look at the world around, and if this was it, I'd be a little bit downhearted. Sometimes I think we just need to remind ourselves that there is more to come. So the first dimension, the dimension of the past. At Advent, we remember that Jesus has come. And at the same time, we acknowledge those who awaited him for centuries, who didn't get to see the outcome of the promise. Imagine if you were one of those Israelites that was hearing those words of Isaiah. You've been through a lot if you're those Israelites and it must certainly have felt a far cry to have been hearing about this Messiah, this future king to come, this future peace that was going to descend on all of humanity, this world where the knowledge of the Lord would be throughout. This was a group of people that never got to see Jesus. And yet they heard these words, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Righteousness will be the belt of his waist. They had this instinct, this understanding that a future was coming, a Messiah was coming, that justice was coming, that freedom was coming, that hope was coming, but they never got to see it in fruition. Advent provides us with an opportunity to just share in that longing with them, to connect with the people the followers of God, the many faithful women and men in our past, in our history, who waited for things that they never saw. It's an opportunity for us to remind ourselves that God has fulfilled promises before. And if he has fulfilled promises before, then we can confidently hope that he will fulfill promises again. 
You see, you just need to go through the Old Testament and there were promises all throughout. Right from Genesis, the promise that the seed of the woman, Eve, that would crush the serpent's head. The promise that there was gonna be a prophet like Moses. A promise that there was gonna be a priest that would fulfill the law. A promise that there was gonna be a son of King David and an heir to the throne that would be greater than David. It's all littered throughout this story of Jesus, this one unified story that scripture presents that leads up to Jesus. And right now in Advent for four weeks, it's as if we get to reenact that a little bit, to remember those thousands of years that God's people were anticipating God's Messiah for Jesus. And yet we get to live on the other side of that. I remember when I was about 11 years old and I was football mad, but I did not have a football kit. And my parents told me, they said, if you can save up for the shirt, we will buy you the shorts and the socks. Now at that time, I think a football shirt was about 25 pounds. It was a Man United shirt. I wasn't gonna say that because I feel like I might lose half the audience minimum. (laughs) 25 pounds, and I think at that time, my pocket money was either 40p a week or 50p a week. I can't quite remember. Now you don't need to do much maths to realize that that's a long time to wait as an 11-year-old to get your football kit. But I loved football, so I committed to it. And it took me approximately a year, and I bought that kit, and I panicked. I bought the second strip, which was white, which I always look back on and still think that's a mad decision. I should have bought the home kit, which was red and much better. But nonetheless, after a year, But because I'd waited so long for it, I fully appreciated what I then got. And always when I was playing football in that kit, which I'd saved up, waited for, and purchased, it reminded me of the wait that I had to go through to get it. And I think when we think about Advent, the point is simple. You might be thinking, what's the point in dwelling on all of these people that had to wait for the Messiah when we live in the age where the Messiah has come and now we have the power of the Holy Spirit? But I think there is power in understanding when something has been waited for for so long, how precious it actually is. And we must be careful as the people of God not to be complacent and live complacently just because we live in an era where Christ has risen again. We know the victory has been won. We know that we can walk in victory in the power of God's spirit working within us. We must be careful not to grow complacent in that because there were many that never got to see this promise. And so if we're thinking about application from the past, I think Advent can teach us to wait again. There may be things in your life right now that you are waiting for from God or waiting for in life. And it's hard in our society to wait because we get taught that waiting is a bad thing. We don't wait for anything anymore. Like it was like, I don't know, five years ago, If you ordered something online and it came within two days, that was a win, right? Now, if you order something that's not here in three hours, you're annoyed. You're checking out the window and you're writing emails, follow-up emails. Is that just me? Um, Do you know what I mean? Our society's moved quickly. We are not a society that likes to wait. When I grew up, and again, you know, Back to the Future, all of that old films, When I grew up, if I wanted to use the internet, I had to persuade my mum to put the phone down (laughs) so I could plug it in 
And it like loaded so slowly. And it made all those weird noises. Now, I get annoyed if my web page on my phone, I don't know, in the middle of nowhere, isn't loading instantly. Our society has forgotten how to wait. Advent teaches us to wait again. I wonder what you're waiting for. The Bible speaks a lot about endurance. It speaks a lot about running your race, making it to the end, persevering through suffering. When expectations, when things don't go as you expected, there is actually a lot of waiting in this life. Things don't always happen when we want them. And we can react in different ways. But when we react with impatience, with anger, with frustration, I feel like the Spirit of God is constantly there nudging us, reminding us that we live by faith and not by sight, that not everything will happen on our time scale when we want it, and that there were many, many people before us that have waited for many things. I wonder if God's people could model what it looks like to wait with grace, with patience, with faith, with love, with kindness. Can we be a people that wait well and that realize that waiting is part of the journey? And maybe today there's something that you're waiting for that as this message continues, you know that you just need to give to God. You need to surrender it to him. You need to yield and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not in my timing, but in your timing. Maybe it can't happen today. Maybe there's a lot of hurt and pain associated with it. But maybe that's your next four weeks, Advent. As you wait for whatever you're waiting for, you align yourself with those many people that waited so many years for the Messiah. And you realize that there are men and women in your spiritual heritage that have been what you have been through. And that you are with them. And you can live by faith as they live by faith. That is your encouragement for today. Sometimes to get to the future, we need to go back first, remind ourselves who we are, where we've come from, so that we don't live with this complacency. Back into the past. Present, number two, at Advent, we remember that Jesus is with us as we start to reflect on the power of the incarnation. You see, Advent is not simply a memory exercise. We're not just looking backwards, but actually there's a very real, very transformative, very powerful value in reminding ourselves over these next four weeks and reflecting on what it truly means for God to be with us. Emmanuel, it's a word that you hear a lot over the Christmas season. Emmanuel means God with us. We're not just talking about past events. We're not just talking about a baby in a manger who grew up, died on a cross and rose again. We're talking about a very real reality right now where through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can be transformed. We can walk and become more and more into the likeness of this very Jesus that we follow, being a light to the world and an ambassador to the God that we serve. It's a challenge. We can't just let this life walk past. We've got to realize that we are empowered and equipped. We are called for everything that God wants us to do, but we need to be obedient and step into it. Henry Nouwen, Nguyen Nouwen, he writes... I love this quote. The Lord is coming, always coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. 
Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. Life is Advent. And so although Advent does remind us of our spiritual predecessors, longing for the arrival of the Messiah, we too, right now in 2021, we long for that same Messiah to break into our hearts, to break into our lives, to break into our communities, and through the power of His Spirit to transform them. At Advent, we simply remember who Jesus is with us now. There's this beautiful passage in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, that reminds us that Jesus is no longer the baby in the manger, although we read about that, but here's who he is right now. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross Jesus is with us that Jesus, Emmanuel. And so Advent is also a time to reflect on the work of Christ in our lives here and now, to consider our ongoing journey with him, our walk in sanctification, in spiritual formation. And that just simply means becoming more and more like Jesus as we yield to him, as we lay our lives down for him, as we surrender to him, as we deny ourselves and follow him and say, God, I wanna walk your way. Advent is a time to check in with ourselves and see where we're at with that. And so just as in the past, as we reflect on the past, Advent taught us to wait again. I think in the present, Advent teaches us to slow down and reflect again. Have you forgotten who Jesus is? That might seem like a ridiculous question. You might say, of course I know who Jesus is. I'm talking about the real transformative power of Jesus who is with you. Have you forgotten what that feels like? Perhaps in the present, Advent is a time to sit down with your journal, to find your quiet space, whatever works for you, and just say, Jesus, for these next four weeks, I want to know who you are again. I understand what the Bible teaches me, that you are with me, that I'm never left nor forsaken, you are here. But I want to understand the reality of that. I don't just want to know that in my head. I want to understand that in my heart. If you've been going a bit quickly this year, if you feel like you're hurried, you're busy, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, and it has been one of those years, it's been a strange year, a weird year, whatever your work life has looked like this year, your family life, the fact that restrictions still, a year and a half later, are just constantly changing. We can't plan things. And it harries us. It stresses us. It puts us in this world of uncertainty. Maybe Advent for you this year is your time to just slow down. Take stock. Rest. Rest in the truth that Jesus is with you. That he has won it all. That he loves you. That he still cares about you 
and he wants to walk with you on whatever journey you are currently walking on, however hard that is. It's the present reality of Advent. So before we wrap up my final point, the future, the third dimension, the future of Advent, the final thread in our multiverse timeline. Like I say, it doesn't work. I tried all the way through. I was like, can I get the multiverse in? Like Spider-Man's coming out next month. As you can see, it's like a square peg in a round hole. Advent is significant as well because we focus on our own longing for Jesus' second coming as king. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, that's what he did the first time, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And so like the ancient people of God, we live with our own longing and our own yearning for Jesus' second coming, although our waiting, I think, takes on a fundamentally new shape because we know what the first coming looked like. We know that when he came the first time, he defeated sin and death on the cross. That he rose again and promised that if we would put our faith in him and declare that he is Lord, that we will walk with him from now into eternal life. But it is the fact that that Jesus is coming again that gives us hope. That prophecy I read at the start, the lion and the lamb, this picture of peace, this picture of global justice, equity, peace, security, We know that that is not quite here yet, but we have a hope that it will be. And we have to live with that hope as Christians. We cannot ever let that hope fall. We cannot let it fade away. We need to believe, and we do believe, that Jesus is coming back, and this is gonna continue going in that direction towards justice, towards safety. And we as the church are to steward that hope to a world that desperately needs it. Advent is a reminder to refresh our perspective that God still has a grand plan for history. And it's so much larger than me or you. So much over Christmas as we give gifts and we spend time with family and groups of friends, it can easily again become about the small and about us and what's going on. But the future perspective of Advent reminds us that it's so much bigger than us right now. It's so much bigger than this Christmas. There's so much more to come for you in your life, for your calling, for us as the church There is so much more to come and we cannot, we cannot lose hope in that. Jesus said in Revelation 22 that he is coming soon. And though we don't know exactly what that means, the time is now to prepare ourselves. It may come in our lifetime. It may come in a thousand years time. I don't know. But our job is to prepare and to become more and more like Jesus as individuals and as a church. I think this as well has a really practical outcome for us as Christians. If we can spend these next four weeks of Advent reflecting on the future, that Jesus is coming again, I think it inspires us in a number of different ways. It inspires us towards mission. Matthew 24 says, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If we truly believe Jesus is coming back, then we've got a gospel to tell the world, and we can't be quiet with it. We need to share it in word and we need to share it in action. We need to be a bastion of love in a world filled with so much division and hate. If Jesus is coming again, we need to commit to Christian fellowship and mutual encouragement. We need to commit to community and the church. 
Hebrews 10 tells us that, that we should not neglect meeting up together as the habit of some, but to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, that final day drawing near. If Jesus is coming again, it equips us to suffer joyfully and to suffer well. I'm not talking about suffering with a fake smile on your face. I'm talking about learning to suffer with hope. And even as you suffer, to be able to reach out to someone else that is suffering with love and grace and care. Because we know that this suffering is temporary, but Jesus is eternal. And overall, I've mentioned it. If we get this future perspective of Advent right, it gives us hope in situations that may currently seem hopeless. It gently gives us an answer for our discontentment for the times when things haven't worked out as we thought they would. If you know that there's more to the story, it's like you're halfway through a film. As long as you know, like it might look like the main characters in real trouble, as long as you know there's 45 minutes of the film left, you start getting confident that they're probably going to get out of it because otherwise the film would have to end if they died at this point. That's what it's like as Christians. If it doesn't feel like it's going well now, remember there's more of the story to come. And Advent draws us to that reality. Past, present, and future. Advent takes us back to the future. And I wonder, will you commit to engaging in these next four weeks? Pressing into God, leaning into Him, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, setting aside time for rest, for quiet time, for Sabbath, if that helps. It's been a big year for all of us. And I think my encouragement as I conclude is that if your heart is heavier than you would like this Advent season, just take hope that even the joys of Christmas in four weeks' time aren't ultimately what we're waiting for. Even the very best Christmas you can imagine in four weeks' time is still a very pale shadow of the real hope that we have to come. And so if your heart is aching, let it point you to that Christmas carol. Christians all around the world at this time that sing and pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel. This season of Advent reminds us to clean out our hearts from evil and bitterness, to make the crooked path straight and the rough places smooth. That's Isaiah 40. In order for us to truly experience that journey to Bethlehem, and see the baby in the manger, the Holy Son of God for who he is. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this, and I love it. He said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul and who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. I wonder if that's you today. Perhaps you need to reflect on the past of Advent and remind yourself to wait again, to learn to be with Jesus. Perhaps you need to reflect on the present of Advent and remind yourself that Jesus is with you and that through the Holy Spirit, you can become more like Jesus, whatever you're going through right now. Or perhaps you need to reflect on the future dimension of Advent, teaching you to hold onto hope and reminding you that Christ is coming again in the midst of your disappointments, your discontentment, and your pain. Jesus is faithful. He always has been. He always will be. And be reminded that because of that, we can live with an eternal perspective. 
We can serve others as Christ served us. We can be generous. We can reach out to the poor and we can bring hope to a hopeless world. And so I return to my question from the beginning. And this is something only you can answer. Are you gonna be closer to Jesus come the 25th of December or further away? There's so much that we can do to make that decision one way or another. And I'm just gonna finish with the words of Philippians 2, 5 to 11, because all of this is about the gospel. Without Jesus, none of this would have even made sense. But because of the gospel, it's true and it's real. Have this mind among yourselves, says Paul to the Philippian church, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a story that has spanned eternity and will continue to do so. We are part of it right now. Will you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray with you. And then we're going to go into a time of worship that that gospel would become a reality to you right now and over these next four weeks of Advent, that you would find time to reflect on what Jesus has done for you, what he is doing for you right now and what he can do for you in the future. I don't know where you're at and hopefully this message has spoken to you wherever you are at. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. For more information about Hillsong Church London, please visit hillsong.co.uk.